listening to Beyond the Game. I love you guys. love the program. You're already famous in Rochester, but watch out, world. It's a faith-based sports radio program. That's the dumbest thing I could think of. I love everything about it, the, the, the beards, the handshakes. That just means I'm never leaving my kids alone with you. The ladies are digging my sweet bass. We would be honored if you would join us. Hello, everybody. I'm Rick Benson. This is the Beyond the Game program. With me is Zach Barletta. We come to you from the BTG studio in Rochester, New York. It's sports talk without the trash talk. Zach, I guess we can heat up the debate about paying college athletes once again. After Duke's Zion Williamson went down shortly after the start of his team's loss to North Carolina the other night, it wasn't just Duke fans holding their breath, but it was that of the NBA the New York Knicks, other teams doing what they can to lose as much as possible to get the first pick in this year's NBA draft. And how Knicks would it be? You know, and it doesn't seem like it's the case, and I certainly hope it's not the case, but how Knicks would it be if they were counting on getting that potentially franchise-altering superstar, mm-hmm. get themselves in the position, tank the entire season, and then the guy they want gets hurt and is never quite the same after that. Because of a freak injury where his shoe just explodes. How nicks would that be? And again, it doesn't seem to be the case, and we certainly hope it's not. But, man, it wouldn't surprise you when it comes to the Knicks. A weird cause to the injury, as you say. The entire side panel of that shoe given away. It was a Nike brand shoe. That's not a... That's not a look Nike wants. Boy, if that had been a career-threatening injury or if it turns out to be a nagging thing, they'll never live that down. I actually got this morning, I checked one of my email accounts, and I had two new emails. And one of them was uh, a sports news alert that was titled with something about Zion escapes injury when his Nike shoe explodes or whatever. In the email below, it was an email from Dick's Sporting Goods that Nikes were 40% off. And I was like, oh, I wonder if those are related. Here's the thing. I heard tickets for the game were were more than $3,000 in some cases. And while ESPN, who broadcasts the game, they get to sell commercials, the universities got paid, the coaches, the staff, they're all well paid. Zion Williamson got nothing. Well, I, I, I guess he gets a free tuition, right? So, you know, excuse me. And a pair of Nikes that almost killed him. And I'm not a proponent of turning college sports professional, but doesn't seem doesn't it seem like there should be some sort of common ground there somewhere. I mean, Absolutely. you would hope his passion for playing the game, for playing college athletics would be enough for him to get back out there. But really, what incentive is there apart from that? You know CBS, the networks carrying the NCAA tournament, want him to be playing in March's biggest sporting event. Certainly the NCAA, Duke, everyone else we've previously mentioned They don't want to see March Madness without college basketball's best player. Wasn't it back in January when Scottie Pippen suggested that there's no reason for Zion to to play anymore? He was already the consensus number one pick. Why play anymore? Why risk the injury? There's Mm -hmm. There's some thought behind that. It makes a little bit of sense. Williamson said back then, if I was going to sit out, I wouldn't have gone to college. And I can respect that. And the thrill and the fun of playing college athletics and I know there's much that which would need to be figured out, like, you know, how much would a guy like Williamson get paid and how much does the guy at the end of the bench get paid? But come on, shouldn't they get some percentage? I mean, they're going to sell T-shirts with his picture on it. Shouldn't he get that money? Absolutely. 
He gets none of it. Would you play or would you shut it down and wait for the draft? That's a tough call. I like to think I would play because you start out playing because you love the game, right? You would think that you would want to win and playing it is such a storied college and with a legitimate chance to win. I, I don't know. I, I'm i with you, buddy. I, I'd like to say I would play. I don't know, man. Millions of dollars are... There's so much at stake. There's so many things to consider. I'm not sure I could decide without actually being in that position. Being in his shoes, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. Thanks so much for being with us. When we come back, Zach will share with us his shenanigan statements for this week. Plus, a little later on, we'll tell you what it is that we like this week from the world of sports. Stick around for the rest of today's Beyond the Game program. Here now is the Red Hawks recap for the week covering up through Tuesday, February 19th. The Red Hawks recap is brought to you by Roberts Wesleyan College. The Roberts Wesleyan women's basketball team defeated New York Institute of Technology in overtime last Friday night, 84-79, getting 21 points from junior Emily Miller. Miller went for another 21 points again on Sunday in leading the Red Hawks to a 66-61 victory over LIU Post. On the men's side of things, after removing the interim tag from head coach Mark Salagelis earlier in the week, the Red Hawks went out and won their third and fourth games in a row over the weekend, running their overall record to 13-9 in the process. Against NYIT on Friday, five Red Hawks scored at double digits, including junior Gene Toussaint, who put up his fourth double-double of the season, scoring 19 points and grabbing 10 rebounds in a 96-84 win. Toussaint was joined by senior Peyton McLaurin as both put up double-doubles on Sunday in a home win against LIU Post, 79-70. The Roberts Wesleyan women's lacrosse team got their season off to a good start with an 18-6 win over Wheeling Jesuit University on Saturday. Senior Emily Knight and sophomores Taylor Nathan and Lindsey Brinkle all scoring three goals. The ladies followed that up with a 21-4 win over Newbury College on Monday behind four more goals from Nathan and three more from Knight. The men also got their season off on a winning way, though much closer, defeating Alderson Broadest University on the road 13-12. Junior Cody Menzies and freshman Michael Pirog and Hunter Lemieux each scored three goals in the win. And on Tuesday, the men rolled over Mars Hill University 24, getting five more goals from Menzies and three from Matt Kadansky, who also added three assists. In the week ahead, the Red Hawks lacrosse teams are your opportunities to see Roberts Wesleyan in action at home. The men kick off their home schedule Saturday, February 23rd at noon against Walsh University. Then on Wednesday, February 27th, it's a lacrosse doubleheader as the women's host Lock Haven University at 4, followed by the men welcoming in Lemoyne College at 7. And don't forget, coming up Friday, March 1st, it's a basketball doubleheader against the University of Bridgeport. The women tip off at 6, followed by the men at 8. If you can't make it to the game, you can follow all the action at their website, robertsredhawks.com. There you'll also find scores, highlights, and more. And, of course, you can always follow Roberts Wesley and Athletics on Twitter at RWC Redhawks. This has been the Red Hawks Recap presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. Do you know a high school athlete looking for a D2 college? Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts Wesleyan College, where athletics are fundamental to our commitment to educate for character. Our athletic program is strong and getting stronger every year. We offer 17 varsity sports, from lacrosse and basketball to track and field and soccer, and the only Division II athletic program in the area. Tell the young athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. Thanks for joining us. I'm Rick Benson. This is the Beyond the Game program, btgprogram.com or at btgprogram 
While at our website, you can subscribe to the podcast, have it downloaded automatically to your device of choosing, just as people all around the country and really all around the world do every week. This week, we say hello to Waterbury, Connecticut, which was one of the places downloading last week's broadcast, birthplace of former Major League Commissioner Faye Vincent, actor Dylan McDermott, Bob Crane of Hogan's Heroes, and the wife of radio legend Don Imus, Deidre Coleman Imus All, born in Waterbury, Connecticut. Thanks for listening in Waterbury, wherever it is you're listening from. However it is you're listening, we do thank you for being with us as well. And here's Zach Barletta to bring us this week's shenanigan statements. All right, number one, the AAF, or Alliance of American Football, will still be playing in five years. Yeah, I agree. And I'll tell you why. Of course, I'll tell you why. They strive to be in a development league for the NFL. And I think the NFL needs that. And I think working in cooperation with them, I think that's why it'll work. I think mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a good thing. But I, But I have to say... They need to resist becoming the anti-NFL. They can't try to get viewers by being what the NFL isn't. And what I mean by that is they can't let their players get hurt. Guys that they're developing for the NFL, if that's the agreement, they can't let them get pummeled out there because they think viewers want to see that type of brutality. While viewers probably do, viewers are stupid. And you just can't (laughs) let guys get hit the way I've seen some of their guys get hit. Yeah, it's true. Um, if you think back over the last two weeks to most of the viral clips you've seen on Twitter and stuff from the AAF, almost all of them are the big hits. While there was one uh, backwards no-look pass that was making the rounds the other day, most of the plays you see are those big explosive hits. And uh, while they're allowed in the AAF, they are, you know, they're pretty dangerous. So they're going to have to make sure they can protect their players too. I agree. I don't know if I gave my answer, but my answer was yes. I don't was, think so, but you agreeing yes. with me, so yeah. I was going to go with it. I agree. Number two, Kareem Hunt deserves his second chance with the Cleveland Browns. What are your thoughts here? I think so. Um, look, we're big on second chances around here. This isn't right. the first time we've talked about that. Kareem Hunt's a fantastic young player. He's saying and doing a lot of the right things. And I don't think that, you know, something that you do at, what is he, 23, 24 years old? doing something stupid while he shouldn't have done it, uh, I don't think you should be able to lose your uh, your ability to make your living. You know, so I look, what he did was wrong, but he seems to be saying doing the right things, and I, I think he deserves a second chance. I agree. He does deserve it because, I, I should say, as long as he's remorseful, and how do I know if he's really remorseful? But, you know, that's what you look for. God gives us a second chance despite our sins and he doesn't give me that second chance on my terms. It's on his terms, and it involves genuine sorrow and repentance. So how can I expect anything less? If a guy is that way, then yeah, I think he deserves a second chance. Number three, former quarterback Colin Kaepernick settling his lawsuit with the NFL means he will be on a team soon. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah. Shenanigans. One of two things has to happen for Kaepernick to get on an NFL roster. Either he has to be an improved quarterback, meaning he's a starting-level NFL quarterback, or he has to be willing to be a backup and do everything he can to quiet that media circus that's going to follow him. I've said it all along, no team is going to be willing to take that kind of circus, that kind of distraction, with their backup quarterback. Maybe their starter, but he's not that. So I say shenanigans. I say shenanigans as well. Uh, the last time we saw him on a football field, it's been a while now. And 
the last time we saw him on a football field, he wasn't good. I remember, I believe his final season in the NFL, he came to Buffalo to play the Bills, and the Bills beat him up, and they several Bills players after the game said, yeah, he's predictable. We knew if we forced him to stay in the pocket and throw the football, we'd beat him, and that's what they did. And in addition to the fact that the last time we saw him, he wasn't very good, there's the leak that apparently he was approached by the AAF about playing in that league, and he demanded $20 million. Now, whether that's true or not, it's pretty clear he wants a big sum of money, and no one's paying their backup quarterback that money. Right. So I think either he's going to have to bring his asking price down significantly, or it's not going to happen. You could talk about blackballing the guy all you want, and I'm sure to some degree that has taken place. But if this guy was going to bring a team to a Super Bowl, there wouldn't be any blackball. Somebody would sign him. Right. There you have it. Proof that Zach is not ready to move on from the football season. Three football-related shenanigans, statements, and we're always curious what you think. Remember, you can share your thoughts by tweeting at us, at BTG Program. You're listening to America's favorite faith-based sports talk show. Well, at least as far as we know, this is the Beyond the Game program. Hey, it's Zach. If you're a fan of unsolved mysteries, mythical monsters, murder whodunits, or just podcasts in general, check out my other show, the Myths and Mysteries Podcast. Every two weeks, my brother Spencer and I tell fascinating stories about topics like the Bermuda Triangle, JFK's assassination, chupacabras, serial killers, and more. You can find us by searching for Myths and Mysteries on iTunes or Google Play or on our website, mythsandmysteriespod.com. Don't forget to click subscribe and leave us a review to let us know what you think. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Myths Podcast. So go check out the Myths and Mysteries podcast, and we'll see you next time. It took me a long time to be able to say Chandler has cancer because that is such a scary word. When St. Jude finds something that works well with a certain cancer, they share that with everybody. And knowing that we don't have to pay for all of the medical expenses, that's huge. We just have to worry about helping Chandler and he's just my heart. St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Finding cures, saving children. Learn more at stjude.org. Welcome back into the Beyond the Game program, recording in the BTG studio in Rochester, New York. We're talking sports from a faith-based point of view, giving you some things I know you won't hear on most other sports talk radio programs. You and I both know, Zach, money has a funny effect on people. Of course, neither one of us has much money, so we only know that <laughs> by seeing how it affects other people. And to be sure, you know, some people do some very good things with money when they come into it. And I'm not necessarily saying that in every situation money ruins people, although I think that often happens. They are just, I, I don't know, they're, they're different in some ways. And I've never really been one who's been motivated by money. Now, don't get me wrong. I like a buck as much as the next guy. You know, I, I, I certainly like to have money, but it's never been a real deciding factor for me. By that, I mean it's never been something that has motivated me to keep a job or stay in, in a job. I would never tell somebody what's enough. I, You know, that's none of my business. I have my thoughts. I do, but I, I, have, I have no idea what goes into another person's judgment of what is a acceptable lifestyle for them to lead. 
I'll admit it. I wonder at times, especially when you got missionaries and ministries hurting for money, and then you see people living in huge houses with many empty rooms. They have a lot of stuff, or even worse, ministry leaders doing this or charging absurd amounts of money to come and speak somewhere. It just seems like, okay, I get it. The laborer is worthy of their hire, but you're charging nearly $100,000 to go somewhere and share the gospel? That's difficult for me to Mm -hmm. add up. When I look at the whole baseball free agency thing, it's really hard to have sympathy for a guy like Bryce Harper, who reports are now saying has turned down more than one offer of more than $300 million. It doesn't even sound like something. That seems hard to believe. $300 million and no thanks? You know, there are other things that I would think that goes into it. What type of city are you playing in? Is it a team that has a stable base? The clubhouse has it. All these things that would seem to me, you're going to get paid anyway. Whether it's $300 million, whether it's $290 million. If this guy is holding out or holding out, he's just not taking a deal because he wants to be the highest paid in baseball. Doesn't that seem to you like it's missing something? It really does. And I'm having a tough time believing that that report is true because at the time it was offered, all of those contracts would have been the largest in history. He would have accomplished his goal. I got to think if he had that many offers of that magnitude, he'd be on a team right now. But it is weird. The guy wants to be the highest paid. I Okay, great. Good for you. I wish it were me. I have no problem with a guy getting paid. It just seems like it's short-sighted because there are so many other things that would make a bigger difference to me. I'd mm. want to win somewhere. I'd want to play somewhere where it's stable. And you and I talked about the Matt Kuchar thing a bit. A guy reached an agreement with a caddy, set him out, filling in for his regular guy. Then he goes and wins the tournament. So does the set amount you've agreed on, does that go out the window now that you win? Personally, I think it does. I would pay on the winnings. But then again, and I'm not bragging here, I, I, I'm i a big tipper. Look, I don't make a lot of money. So when I see somebody working hard and giving me good service, I, I like to reward it. And I just kind of wonder, all these people that are calling into talk shows, ripping on Matt Kuchar, I wonder what kind of tipper they are. You know, are these yeah. are these people that leave nothing for people in the service industry, and yet they're going to rip a guy like Kuchar? I, look, they, I don't know. They had an agreement. Kuchar did offer him more than uh, and paid him more than what they had actually originally agreed, but nowhere mm. close to perhaps what he should have based on the winnings. Um, but the guy agreed to it. If he didn't want to be paid that little of the winnings. Maybe you shouldn't have agreed to it until he raised the amount, you know? Like, it's hard to be mad at a guy for paying a guy even more than what he agreed to pay him, even if it wasn't the standard amount. It's like the Christmas bonus. When you get a Christmas bonus and it's a lousy, stinking, next-to-nothing bonus, how do you complain about it? Because it's a bonus. You're not even – it's not even part of your salary. It's just an extra. It's a nicety. You can't complain about that. But then we talked about this because we were on our way to a autograph show and – that morning, I'm on my way to pick you up, and some idiot is talking about make, trying to make this into a race thing mm-hmm. because I believe the caddy was Hispanic. I'm not 100% sure. And he was trying to present it like, oh, I wonder if this would have happened if it was a white caddy. Like, come on, you're obviously yeah. pandering here yeah. for callers, trying to make a little controversy. I couldn't even listen. I had to change the station. But I, I don't know 
why God blesses some more than others? I really don't. For those of us living in America, even our poorest are better off than so many mm-hmm. around the world. There's a parable in Matthew chapter 20 where Jesus tells of a vineyard keeper. First thing in the morning, he hires some laborers, promises a certain amount of money. A few hours later, he hires some more. At that same daily rate, a few hours after that, hires even more. Again, at that same daily rate. Eventually, so towards the end of the day, he hires a few more and again promises them that same rate. At the end of the day, it's time to square up. Those that were working from the beginning of the day saw what he had paid the people who had only been there a couple hours and saw that it was the same as what he'd promised them. And they were excited, thinking, oh, we're going to get a little extra here. Look, he's paying them. And you can imagine how they felt when they got what was promised them. Mm-hmm. They were a little disappointed. In fact, in Verse 11 of Matthew 20, it says they grumbled, and verses 12 and 13 has this exchange. These last men have worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden and the scorching heat of the day. But he answered and said to one of them, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? He gave them what he agreed to. It's really not up to you or I to determine what's just and what's fair. God deals with us according to who he is, not according to who we are or what we've done. That's so difficult for us to understand because it's not what we're accustomed to. You do this, you get that. God is able to value in so many other things, such as what will ultimately be done with the reward that's given you. What are your motives? What is your heart? He can weigh things in that you and I can't. God sees the biggest picture possible. But there's more to it than just the vineyard keeper paying his employees. Certainly, he didn't treat anybody unfairly, but he was more generous to some than he was to others. God is never unfair, and it's important to remember that. Yet, he has a plan. But that plan is based on his purpose for why some are given greater blessings than others, despite the fact that it may seem as though they don't deserve it. God's grace is always right. However, he determines to dispense it. Jesus is teaching here in this parable in Matthew chapter 20, the verse 16 verses, that God can give of his goodness not solely based on what it is we deserve. That's what makes his offer of forgiveness of sins so difficult for some people. They're certain that there has to be more to it than just God's grace. It doesn't make sense. God's free gift of mercy and grace is made possible by Jesus' death on the cross and subsequent resurrection three days later. And that doesn't seem like equality because it's not. It seems like we're getting the reward when Jesus did all the work. Not some of it, not most of it, all of it. And that's exactly how it is. On the cross, he paid the penalty of our sins thanks to his mercy. God doesn't give us what we deserve because he gave that to Jesus. And because of his grace, God gives us what we don't deserve the reward earned by Jesus. Perhaps you don't know what it is to know Christ. God invites you to have a personal relationship with him. You probably know we're all sinners. We're all flawed. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. How do you get in on that offer of God's love and mercy, that free gift of eternal life in heaven with him? He asks just this, that you would admit your sins. Seek forgiveness. Forgiveness of sins is found only at the cross in Jesus Christ. Titus 3.7 says, 
that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The old saying of justified, just as if I'd never sinned. First John 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I, I hope you'd pray to God. I hope you'd seek his forgiveness. I hope you'd admit your sin and guilt and tell him that you believe he died on the cross for you. You believe he was buried. You believe he rose again and ask God to forgive you and to help you repent from sin. Romans 10 verses 9 and 10 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. If we can help, let us know. You can reach out to us through our website, btgprogram.com. We're running out of time, so let's get right into our You Like That for this week. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27 says, Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. If you are a believer in Christ, saved by grace, and your identity is found in Christ. Always an encouragement to keep that mind, and few people know it better than Tim Tebow. Despite constant criticism, despite doubt, despite even often hate, Tebow continues to defy the odds and chase his dreams. I'm not sure it matters if he ever does make it to the major leagues, though I wouldn't doubt him. The fact is, after playing in the NFL, he's now getting paid to play baseball. For the second week in a row, my You Like That comes from Tim Tebow. This past week, he shared some encouraging words for anyone facing naysayers and doubters. He was asked about the constant criticism he receives from outside sources and said it's about perspective and not letting other people define you. He went on to say that succeeding is not having to live with regret because I didn't try. He added that he thinks the reason people don't go after things is a fear of being criticized and allowing doubt to creep in. The clip closed with him giving a reminder that critics are not the one who get to define who he is or even who you are, but that it's God who defines who he is. Tim Tebow's incredible optimism. His words of encouragement are what I like this week. Well, Benson, there's actually a bit of a theme going here because uh, mine is also a story of facing the odds. What I liked this week was Jay Spencer winning the 160-pound Alabama High School State Wrestling Championship. It's impressive because Jay Spencer is legally blind. He had a quote on ESPN where he said, Don't let what anyone thinks about you change how you think. As long as you believe you can do something, then you can. I agree, and Jay Spencer winning the Alabama High School State Wrestling Championship is what I liked this week. You like that? That's the end of our show for this week. Thank you for spending time with us on the Beyond the Game program. We hope you'll tune in again next time as we continue our conversations mixing sports and faith. Please keep in mind that this radio program hits the airwaves thanks to the support of listeners like you. It's your prayers and your financial gifts which make the Beyond the Game program possible. Please keep us in prayer, asking that God would use this sports talk radio program to impact those who hear it, and that he would continue to provide for our expenses as we share biblical perspectives on the world of sports with listeners all around the world each and every week. If God has laid it on your heart to make a financial contribution to this radio ministry, either by a one-time gift or a recurring amount, you can visit our website, btgprogram.com. And one more thing, if you're a business owner, please consider advertising during the Beyond the Game program. For Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. Lord willing, we'll be back together again next week right here at the same time. Be bold and be great this week, everybody. 